Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Uh, church is weird. You've, you've realized that, right? Church is weird. Uh, we've been talking about it all fall. Today I want to wrap up the Keep Church Weird series. Um, Portland's weird. Uh, Austin, Texas is weird. Missoula, Montana keeps trying to be weird. The cities tell us that they all have their own weirdness. It has to do with being a, um, a, a subculture that they say is in some way discernibly different, really different than the rest of the good old U.S. of A. These cities are different, and, and they take pride in it. And, and if you dig into the cultures in those cities, you'll see that that really the thing that makes them weird varies. It can be from the, the arts and music scene that's a really big deal down in Austin, Texas, where the weird movement started. It's a number of things over in, in Portland, including you know celebration of, um, of diversity and of alternative lifestyles. And, and a little bit, um, when you get to Missoula, some, some actual intentional drug culture weird that they that they pay tribute to. Hmm. But something about them, these cities, that, that makes them on purpose, different as they perceive it from the rest of the country, proud of it and going to stay that way. And I think that the church also uh, kind of fits the description of on purpose, different, discernibly so, noticeably so, readily noticeably so, than the rest of the world around us, and we intend to stay this way. We've talked about some of the things that aren't weird, they're just flat-out sin, and the church needs to have confessed those, the corruption, the abuse. We need, to, we need to confess those things, we need to own up for whatever damage it has caused to people, and we need to listen and receive those people with love and kindness and show them that that's not really the church of Jesus Christ, right? And that, uh, that stuff we're going to push over to the side and say, yeah, but what about the necessary weird? What about the essential weird? What about the things that really do define the church? And so we've, we've taken a look at those this fall. I'm not going to read the whole list to you, but, but uh, last week we did talk about this weird hope. We really do believe that Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth and what's going to happen when he gets here uh, is going to leave a bunch of people scratching their heads. And when he gets here, he, he himself doesn't even know. So we're not going to speculate about that. But it does leave us with a great hope looking forward. This, uh, this world of, of difficulty and struggle, hey, guess what? It's going to get worked out. And it's going to get worked out in a number of ways by us. And then Jesus himself is going to come and put the, the, the ceiling touch on it that really is just going to make it magnificent and beautiful and good. And if you read the scriptures, it talks like he makes a new heaven and a new earth, and then he brings the new heaven down to the earth, and those two things merge, and we live in the, in the, in the undiminished presence of God. Somewhere in there, the breaker tripped in my head, and I can't even picture it, right? Today, uh, as we finish up the series, I want to talk about a weird help. Last week, a weird hope. This week, uh, a weird help. You've noticed, I'm sure, that the world needs help, huh? You guys watch the news? The world needs help. Take a look up here. In the upper left-hand corner, we have Kim Jong-un. He's out on his white horse up on their sacred mountain. Do you know what that means? Neither do we. We just know that uh, over the course of his, uh, his uh, dynasty, his regime, that when their leaders who say they don't believe in God or mysticism get on a white horse and head up onto their sacred mountain, 
they make great big decisions that they and then t- intend to bring back down the mountain and inflict on the rest of the world. And Kim Jong-un has been riding horseback here lately. The world might need some help. South, uh, North Korea might need some help too if uh, they don't watch their step. Uh, you've been following the uh, impeachment thing. I think that's going pretty well. It's unifying us. Lots of people are finding peace because they're, they're uh, really drilling down on hours of impeachment coverage. I think, uh, I think the two uh, parties in Washington are becoming better and better friends every day because they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing toward impeachment. That's great. We need some help. Uh, down here in the corner, what looks kind of like a cartoon rocket is a real rocket. It's built by the uh, nation of Iran, and they are taking tons of them into Iraq because Iraq is so unstable right now. You know, after we went in there and, quote, won the war, and then, oh, that's right, never got things stabilized, and then they're left with whatever they've got now. Yeah, in the vacuum of strong leadership. They've got strong leadership in Iran, and they're building those things, and they're taking them over into Iraq, and they're stockpiling them there. They're pointing them towards somebody. Somebody's going to need help. And then um, over here in the bottom right-hand corner, the the help God prayer kind of covers up what that girl said, which was, he promised me a place to stay, but then forced me to work as a prostitute. Human trafficking is on the rise, not the decline. We thought that we had decided a long time ago that slavery was evil and nobody in the modern world was going to stand up for it and people sign up for it every day to put other people in bondage. That girl needs help. And so do millions more like her. And so do we. This world needs help. You don't, uh, you don't have to watch uh, the news for three hours a day to figure it out, do you? Because you live in this valley and you see that, that we need help too. The truth is, you and I need help. Uh, while, while we may want God to help with these things, we, we, we don't live in those places. But in the places where we live and in the places where we go to school and the places where we go to work and the places where we shop and the places where we recreate, there's you and me and our neighbors and friends and people like us. And we need God's help too. We need help because our, for some of us, our relationships are fraying. They're growing threadbare. Some of us need, need help from God because, um, man, we did our best to raise kids. And uh, whether we're in the middle of it now or they are adults and we're kind of watching, we're seeing that, that some of our kids are making decisions that are walking them steadily down a path to destruction. And many of them can't even see it. But we know that they need help, and because our hearts ache as we watch them, we cry out to God for help too. You and I need His help with our relationships, with our kids. There are people here today, I am quite sure, who are glad that it's Sunday and not Monday, because on Monday, they have to go back to a job that, yeah, puts a roof over our heads and shoes on our feet and and uh, fills our bellies with food, but it's a job that you hate, and it's a job that you think is just breaking you. I mean, God's help with it. If we're going to face it, if we're going to last, 
If we're going to be able to work for him and, and have some kind of positive benefit on the place while we're there, we need his help. There are people in this room and plenty who are not here today that you know who live right here in this, in this circle whose lives are fill, filled with pain and illness and disease oh, and sorrow and grief. And we need God's help with all of those things. Not to mention my sin. Huh? Need God's help. Because I, I have this, this flesh that... Um, I mean, I've been walking with Jesus for 40-some years now, and I have this flesh that goes, I've got a great idea, Cliff, several times a day. It thinks I should go a, a different direction than following Jesus. And I, I face temptation and, and testing every day. I do not always win it. I need God's help with, I want to say just with sin, but I, I think I better call it my sin. World needs help. You and I need help. Um, everyone I'm, that I talk to really at some level wants help. There's nobody that I've ever talked to that says, hey, me, I'm good. I can do this entire life on my own. No assistance needed. Nearly everybody that I talk to, by the time we get around to talking about the difficult things in their lives or the challenges or the heartbreaks or whatever, nearly everyone will say to me, man, I really want some help. And I think if you really kind of put all of that together and we're going to kind of describe the help that everyone wants in this world, particularly the help from a God who is good and holy and all of that, powerful... The help that we want is for God to stop evil in this world. How many times have you prayed that prayer or had that conversation with him or that thought? God, there's garbage happening in this world. Why aren't you stopping it? We want God to stop the evil in this world. We want God to stop the, the market for human trafficking, don't we? We want God to stop this insane idea that nations should Get ready to blow each other up in case the other tries to blow us up. We want God to stop that kind of thinking in this world, don't we? Don't we want, to, want, to, want God to stop the kind of evil that leaves arrogant men who say there is no God going up searching after one and then coming down with an idea that they intend to enforce like he is a God? Man, we want God to stop evil in this world. We want God to, to stop the wars. We want God to stop the famines. We want God to stop the hunger. We want him to stop the spread of disease. We want him to stop the accidents, right? At least as I talk to people and they find out that I'm a God guy, when they start talking to me about the hard stuff in their lives and then the big global hard things, there's some implication that uh, God should have done something about this a long time ago, if he's really God. Hmm. But as I continue to talk with people, I've arrived at this conclusion. Nearly all of us really do want God to stop all of the evil in this world, except for mine. I want to still get to do mine. I, I mean, the rest of it's evil. Mine's just, well, you know. Most people want God to stop all the evil things that other people do to other people and to stop all the evil things that, God, that, that, that people do to me, but I should get to be free. I should get to still make choices. 
I should still get to decide what is right and good for my life. I should still have the freedom to make mistakes, right? Am I like out here by myself today? Am I, am I completely off track or, or are, you, are you tracking with me? Do you really, I mean, maybe this is just Cliff being a little bit too negative this morning, but it really does seem to me that most human beings want God to stop all of the evil in the world except for the kind that I do, especially my favorite evils. I want to still get to do those and God wink and nod and forgive me and then, you know, I'll do it again and he'll wink and nod and forgive me. We want God to stop evil except for me and my favorite kind. So here's, here's this, this, this cry for help. It's a, it's a cry for help for our world on this global scale, and it's a cry for help for the, for the difficulties and pains and challenges in my life, and it's a, a, a cry for, for help where, where God will stop systemic evil. Gee, it seems like billions of people have, uh, want, want this, and billions of people have been praying this for, oh, I don't know, thousands and thousands of years. Where's God? I mean, when is he actually going to answer the help God prayer? Where is he? I've been reading the scriptures this week, and I found out that God promised that he will help. It's good news-ish, until you read about it. Why don't you stand with me, and uh, we'll be reading Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Lord... I'm going to ask you to turn on the lights just in my mind and in my heart. Do it for all my friends because they're not looking for Cliff's book report on Isaiah. They're looking for uh, a word from you. Never mind. You've got our attention. Speak to us, we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. The prophet wrote, uh, let's say about 2,750 years ago, okay? He wrote, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt, truth like an undergarment. In that day... The wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with a baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And the little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, the little child will... Put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. And in that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. 
The nations will rally to him. And the land where he lives will be a glorious place. This is the word of the Lord. Maybe see. Now, I've been looking for some help, say, with the arms race, with crazy guy on a white horse, with uh, um, government stuff. I've been, I've been asking the Lord for some help with illness in the lives of some friends and, and family. I've been asking him for help with my own inner life and my own temptations like I've talked about. I have never once asked him to, um, oh, have wolves and lambs living together. If you, uh, if you read uh, the, the newspapers in the Northwest, you'll find out that usually when the wolves and the lambs lie down together, it, um, the, the wolves come away happy and the lambs not so much. But you know, I've never really asked God to fix that. I've, uh, I've asked Him to you know, help me with relationships in my life, but I've never asked Him anything regarding leopards and or goats, let alone those two getting together and living in peace. I've never asked, I've I've never concerned myself with the dietary needs of lions. They can continue to eat meat or graze. I don't care. I have not asked God for this kind of help. So when the prophet Isaiah, who's speaking to a people whose nation is just falling apart at the seams around them, their government seems to have lost its ever-loving mind, I'm still talking 20, you know, 2,000, 2,700 years ago, whatever, okay? Not, not today, wink, wink, not, not. Uh, they were in a nation who, whose moral fabric had come unraveled. Still talking about back then, not now. Uh, there, there was a, it was a nation that had kind of disintegrated from, from this place of unity back into very real tribalism that, that threatened the ongoing existence of their nation. They had neighbors whose leaders seemed like absolute crazy men. Oh, yeah. And there was also sex trafficking and personal sin of other kinds, like we talked about today. And there were a people, a few people, it really does seem just a few left, who really believed that God's way was best, not just morally speaking, but best for the people Nation, worldwide, nationwide, and for each individual, that the way of God was better. And so they, they were praying to God for help for all the same things that, that we kind of pray about today. And none of them were asking about leopards, and none of them were asking about wolves, and none of them were asking about cows, and none of them were asking about, about you know, the, the whatever becoming vegan, you know, vegan animals. It wasn't uh, vegan predators, which, by the way, is the name of my next band, Vegan Predators. Uh, just occurred to me as I was thinking about it right now. Nobody was praying about any of that stuff. And yet the prophet says, boy, when, when God sends his, his helper, when he sends the fixer, when he sends the Messiah, get ready, because he's going to do all this. And that probably, you know, uh, put it this way, when your nation's coming apart, when government's lost its mind, when the enemies are acting like they're going to quit talking about it and actually do something about it, most people aren't looking for poetic help. They're looking for real world, make a difference in my life kind of help, God. When God says, I'm going to send help, instead of saying, don't worry about the whoever's, 
and name the, 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 oh, the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the Persians. Instead of saying, don't worry about them, I'm going to take them out. He starts talking in all of these strange ways. And while people are still worrying about all of that real world stuff, he's saying, yeah, but don't worry because the world's going to get glorious and, and there's going to be a big worship service. And you know what the audience that day was thinking? Who stinking cares? That's how, that's how Isaiah's message was received. Who stinking cares, God? Because we need real world kind of help. So here these people sat then, and here we sit now with very real, very real needs on a global scale, on a national scale, on my family scale and yours, and in my own heart, I need real help from God, not the poetic promise that, oh, one day it'll all work out, buddy. And God promised, I'm going to send help. It's just that when he made the promise, it didn't seem like much of a promise. These people to whom he made the promise of sending the Messiah... Uh, Do you know when they got him? 700, 750 years later, somewhere in there. So imagine, oh, I don't know, imagine the cable man says, hey, I'm going to show up at your house. And he says it'll be anywhere between the hours of 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m., and so you take the day off work, and you're, uh, you're, you're you're ready for him at 8.01. Because you're gracious, you know he's not going to be there at 8 o'clock. You're, you're, you're going to give him that minute, and at 8.01, he should show up. No cable guy. 8.02, 12.02, And you are losing your ever-loving mind. You have called the company twice to see if they forgot. You have sent emails. You have filled out customer complaint things. You've gone to Facebook and put hashtag stinking cable company in the hopes that maybe they'll read that and uh, help you with your stuff, right? We're not talking about a day of waiting. We're talking about a, a, a promised help to a people who needed it in, in ways just like we do, and they didn't get it. And neither did their kids, neither did their grandkids, neither did their great-grandkids, neither did their great-great-grandkids. And I don't know how many great-great-greats I have to put in there before we get an average lifespan measured out to how many generations to about 700, 750 years. I don't know how many great-greats it takes, but I know this. None of those people thought it was so great that they had to wait for God's help. There's one thing I know about help. Waiting for it will nearly break you. Waiting for help will nearly break you. And sometimes it does break you. And I've also learned this. And when it comes to this God whom we worship, help often looks very different than I envisioned it. Can I get a hand of testimony from anybody who's experienced that? Man. So here I sit, I have pictures on the screen that show you exactly the kind of help that I need and that you need. And God promises poetic things, and I'm supposed to trust that in the end, that's all going to work out? Yes. 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 You are going to have to wait most of the time 
far past your comfort zone. And when God walks into the mess with you and begins to sort it out, I've got news for you. A lot of the time, it is not going to be sorted out according to your terms. That's true, historically speaking, and it is going to be true in your future as well. And I will just say that this is why an awful lot of people don't buy into the whole God thing, let alone the whole God is good thing, is because we have to wait until it nearly breaks us, and when he does help, it doesn't look like the kind that I'd hoped for. I gave my heart to the Lord when I was a little boy. I asked him to put my family back together. My dad had left. I just wanted my dad to come home and my mom and dad to love each other enough to stay together. That's all I wanted. Simple prayer. God, fix my family. Dad came home long enough to get the rest of his stuff and leave. And then God walked this incredible man into my mom's life who I hated for a little while. He had this big, bushy beard. I remember one day we were over at his brother and sister's house and he was holding me on his lap, just being a good guy. Back then, grape uh, bubble yum was my favorite. Yep, that kid. Pulled this big wad of it out, stuck it right in his beard. That was the first spanking I ever got from that guy. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was correcting me at some point shortly after he and my mom were married, and I looked at him, and I said, I never wanted you in my life. I, wanted my, I want my real dad. You're not my dad. I yelled the I hate yous and all of those things. I, I, I yelled the go away many times. That's not the kind of help I was looking for. Man, it was the kind of help I needed. And I can look back over my shoulder now. I'm so glad I didn't get the kind of help I wanted. Because putting my birth dad back in my home and as the primary influence in my life would have destroyed me literally. I would not be standing before you today. At the uh, end of 2018, uh, as I've told you before many times, I'm a New Year's resolutions person because I don't ever seem to get better on accident. Uh, I never just miraculously become a great guy. And so I work at it. And, and so uh, each year, as we get to year's end, I start thinking about some goals for the year to come and and uh, I used to always come up with those myself. And then, uh, surprise, surprise, I finally clued in. It might be a good idea to ask God what he wanted to accomplish in my life. And so uh, near the end of 2018, I was praying about, about what the Lord might want to accomplish in my life in 2019. And so um, in, in the quiet one morning, as, as I was praying about it, uh, he made it very, very clear to me. He just spoke to me in answer to my prayer. And... Uh, he said, oh, in this coming year, I want to humble you. And I want to make you patient. 
And those don't even sound a little bit like fun. But I'd asked him, and he made it clear. So I said, why don't you begin humbling me and making me patient? And everybody knows the old joke about don't pray for patience or you know, give you reasons to need it. Hey, that ain't a joke, people. That's been my life this year. And what I really was looking for was specific, that each morning and the wee hours when I get up to spend time with the Lord in prayer and in reading the scriptures, that he would just make, you know, words jump off the page, that as I'm making my way through the scriptures a few times in the year, that, um, that it, during one of those laps through the Bible, God would just make stuff jump off the page about humility, and I could learn it just between me and him. And then he'd, he'd show me lots of Bible verses about patience and, and the ones that somehow I hadn't hadn't uh, remembered or, or wasn't practicing, that he'd just make those pop off the page. And he'd, he'd talk to me about them and say, Cliff, um, let's, let's you and I work on these together. And so I, that's the kind of help that I asked for. You know what I got? I got a little bit of that. But what I got instead was some, some, uh, some instances in my life in which I was humiliated. Because that's how you learn humility. And, and I got a bunch of circumstances in my life where nothing was happening on time. Nothing was happening soon enough. And I was getting to my breaking point. And that's how you learn patience. You see, uh, the Lord giving you a word during your devotional time it feels great, but I'm here to tell you, that's kindergarten level growth and, and maturity. High school, university, uh, boot camp, and the school of hard knocks all rolled into one. That's when God meets you in the real circumstances of your life and says, I'm not going to do it the way that you asked. I'm going to do it the way that works. And so he put me in situations in which I was utterly humiliated. He put me in a set of circumstances several times this year where the waiting that should have been days was weeks and the waiting, the waiting that was supposed to be weeks was months. And guess what? I'm still waiting. But I'm finding that at year's end, he laid a foundation for humility by giving me a whisper or two during my devotion. He's brought a greater degree of humility into my life by humbling, yes, humiliating me. He's not a jerk. He just knows I'll never learn it from the book. And I've promised him I'd be patient and yelled at my kids. Probably yelled about some of you. But in things not going my way, he's taught me how to wait. And how to wait without being mad. And how to wait without whining. 
kind of just wait and love him and trust him. So I think a couple of things. Number one, be careful what you ask the Lord to do in your life. Because you just might do it. On second thought, don't. Be absolutely reckless asking him to do incredible things in your life. Because you might just actually do that. And secondly, I want to present to you today Jesus. He came into this world in the most ridiculous way. Sneaking in as a human being uh, who was born into the lowest uh, strata of his culture because of the uh, suspicious circumstances about his conception. He wasn't a rich guy and he wasn't born into the halls of power either. He was just a guy who made things. We say carpenter, probably, you know, um, just repairman or handyman was closer to what the Bible meant by his trade. Just, you know, guy grinding it out, grunting it out. But he lived in obedience to the Father. And without ever sinning and rebelling against God, he died like somebody who'd done everything. All of the worst stuff. And he did it so that we wouldn't have to. This Jesus has made it possible for your sins to be forgiven and for you to have a relationship with the God that doesn't have any of the ug in between you and Him. It's all clear between you and the Father now. And He'll help you with your daily temptations. And if you need humility in your life, He'll help you with that. And if you need patience, He'll help you with that. But I just I want you to know that this Jesus isn't going to do it the easy way, and he isn't going to do it the way that you want, that leaves you still comfortable and just able to thank God for one more thing that he's done for you. But I'm going to tell you that the help that God offers is weird. You won't like it when he helps you, but you will like it very much afterwards. I may not be the best Jesus salesman on the planet because that's uh, the kind of stuff that maybe a lot of people don't want to sign up for. But maybe, maybe just today you could consider this. If, if all of your requests for an easy path to a spiritually mature you haven't produced, maybe today you might want to consider asking him to do it his way in your life. Whatever it is, to do it his way in your life. And you'll just submit to him. I'm going to tell you that 2019 has not been my favorite year while I've been going through it. Here I sit a week or two after Thanksgiving, very, very thankful for the weird help that I have received this year from God. I'm grateful enough. I'm asking him over these next few weeks where he wants to go next year. What he wants to do. Because he's going to take me somewhere if I'll submit to him. Jesus is a weird help. But he's real. He will really help you. Why don't you stand with me and pray? Lord, I 
I thought I needed you to do a, a list of things that I, you know, all my brilliant ideas that I'd mapped out. Still waiting on a bunch of that. But I've quit insisting on my way, and I'm submitting myself one more time to yours. And I'm going to ask you for that weird help that you give. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me at the time and never seems to be on time. But that in retrospect is so beautiful and perfect. Lord, many of my friends are, are today, while we're praying this prayer, they're thinking about a thing that they need, that they've been asking you to help them with. And it just seems like you haven't helped yet. And they keep telling you, God, here's what I need you to do. But maybe this morning, they've decided they're going to mention the thing. They're going to leave it up to you what to do. They are resigning themselves to your weird help. They're going to trust you. Friends, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Just preserve the, the, the privacy in the room, if you would, that allows the person next to you to pray the prayer that maybe you're going to pray right now. Why don't you just mention your thing that, frankly, you're tired of waiting on. Why don't you just mention that to the Lord right now and submit it to His ways over yours. Lord, hear our prayers. I ask you still to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I just want to know how to, how to pray for you today. Is there anybody here who kind of just, just now prayed that prayer? There's a thing that, I mean, you're nearly at your breaking point. You've told God a hundred times or a thousand times and He has not come through for you. And today, instead of giving up or insisting one more time, you're ready to take your thing and submit it to God, but you want somebody else to pray for you because you're near your breaking point. Would you just slip your hand up in the air and back down? Okay, yep, I see you, yep, yep, yep. Anybody else? I've read your word. It, it says in there, a bruised reed you will not break and a smoldering candle you will not snuff out. You've got some, some bruised and smoldering people, Lord. I pray now for them strength and help. And I pray that you, Lord, would be mindful that they've come to you in humility today and in surrender. Be the good, good Father that we have praised. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.